Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajasad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I'll reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. We're also pretty good friends, right, Ben? Sh- sure. We're, we're great human friends. I'm such a good friend that I will use this time at the top of the podcast to let Ben tell us all about the recent publications he's written for. Ben, can you do that for me? Sure. You can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Inside Hook, and at Driving Line. And you can find my work at driving.ca, autotrader.ca, TechSpot, and Nouveau Magazine. Ben, I've got a pretty fresh luxury car to talk to you about today. So fresh, I don't even think um, it's on the roads yet. I got a pretty early peek at this thing, and I got to try it out and all sorts of fun things like that. So your definition of fresh is a little different from mine, because in my mind, the vehicle you're about to talk about is one of those cars that I almost never think about. When I'm when I'm thinking about the class that it's in. Well, the class that we're talking about is the compact luxury crossover, and the car in particular is the Lexus NX, which is I'm surprised um by your take on it. I think it's a it's a somewhat popular vehicle in its class, but maybe not as popular to say as the the GLA or the X one, right? So I went I remember going to the launch of that vehicle, like the very first one, uh I wanna say five or six years ago. And my impressions at the time were that it was perfectly fine, but over the last few years, there have been so many vehicles just kind of crowding this market. It's yeah. hard for me to think of a reason why someone would pick the NX over something else. I guess that's that's kind of where I'm going with that. Well, I mean, I, I actually I misclassified uh, it. I do think it, it runs better. Uh, it, it compares better to products like the uh, – I said the GLA. I meant the GLC and the X3. Um, now, the NX has always been, a per- like you said, perfectly competent car, fairly competitive. I think it had a fatal flaw with um, its infotainment system, which never felt particularly um, useful. Well, it was, it was one of the first ones to have that touchpad, right? The awful touchpad. Yeah. I, I, awful- I remember yeah. the first time I used that touchpad, it had this haptic feedback thing where like, it pushes back on your fingers when you make a selection. And there were different levels of haptic feedback that you could choose and the highest level would actually punch your finger off the the touchpad so you'd be like it would just bop in your hand up and down while you're trying to check check stuff out i did a look at um just took a look at sales for the nx their best sales year was sixty thousand or so and last year they did fifty thousand or sorry fifty five thousand so that seems to be where it's hovering around so like that's not terrible volume for lexus but it's not like they i don't know own the segment i guess i would say no, and I mean the Lexus doesn't have to do much. They have the the RX, which sells better than anything in its class. And I think that I don't know if the NX is is poised to take over any RX sales or anything like that. No, I wouldn't think so. I think it's probably a different customer. But when we talk about the NX, it has gotten particularly long in the tooth in a number of ways. Although it was Lexus's first turbocharged four cylinder engine at the time. And now that motor is being upgraded a little bit. It's They're still offering a turbocharged motor, a slightly bigger one. Um, in addition to the typical hybrid and uh, first for the brand, a plug-in hybrid. A plug-in hybrid. Okay, so which one did you drive? 
I drove the plug-in hybrid version of the car, and I'll be upfront with it, and I'll say that I really was impressed with the powertrain, and it wasn't until I, I started take, taking a look through the, uh, the materials that I found out that this is essentially the same powertrain that we find in the RAV4 Prime, which, if you remember, I, I said very, very good powertrain. I said this was the, the only RAV4 to buy because of that, uh, because of just how much better that powertrain is. Well, the RAV4 Prime and the RAV4 Hybrid have long been the best versions of, well, not long for the Prime, but for the Hybrid, certainly the best versions of that vehicle. Right. In terms of both power, uh, performance, and the interior, I mean, the nicest versions of the RAV4 have always been the ones that have a battery assist. I agree with you. I think just the the plug-in model just goes that extra step further and makes it worth it uh, all the way. So what I need to say is that this vehicle has a all-electric driving range. It's a pretty limited all-electric driving range. I think it's 37 miles, which isn't great. But again, this is a plug-in hybrid, so it's kind of meant to to fill in the sort of gap between all-electric and uh, totally dependent on combustion. Um, and then I think the power, the, the, the powertrain is around, sorry, the, the output of that powertrain is around 300 horsepower. It feels pretty solid. It does zero to 60 in about six seconds. It, it feels solid. Like I, I really can't express that enough. Um, I was surprised by it. And I'm also going to say that I was, um, I wasn't that, I didn't have high expectations for it because I had recently driven the GV70, which we talked about last week, and uh, and I came away really impressed with that. I thought that was kind of like the go-to pick, in, the new go-to pick in this class. But after testing out this new NX, I felt that maybe um, maybe I jumped to that conclusion a little too quickly. Well, you're you're seriously saying that the NX, a front-wheel drive bias plug-in hybrid with a questionable infotainment system is better than the GV70. I'm not saying better. I'm just saying that I think that they they fill their market, the two of them together fill their market completely. I think, you know, you brought up the powertrain, the the, the drivetrain bias of the G7, GV70, which is re- rear-biased. Um, it's a rear-biased platform. The NX, um, as far as I can tell, is front-biased, has yeah, all-wheel the, drive. It's a RAV4. The, <laughs> has all-wheel drive in this arrangement. And... Um, I think that's one of the main areas where the GV70 doesn't really excel in terms of powertrain. Um, it just isn't the most fuel-efficient vehicle, even the 2.5. Wait, wait. So um, where do, where doesn't it? So the, the the NX gets better fuel mileage, and that's why you're putting it ahead of the GV70. You need to listen to me, man. I'm, I try, said, I'm trying to figure it no, out. No, you need to you need to listen to me now because I said the two cover their audience very well. If you're going for a performance-oriented vehicle which many luxury car buyers might be interested in, the GV70 pulls that off. But the one area where it doesn't, um, it doesn't excel is the one area where the NX does. And that's in terms of um, smooth powertrain, it's fuel efficient, um, and I actually really do find the interior to be pretty impressive too, even after getting into all the details that were found in the GV70. Yeah, so that's, that's surprising to me because the GV70's interior, I think, is probably the best in the segment. So what about the Lexus mm-hmm. elevates it to near that level? Well, first of all, they did away with that ridiculous uh, touchscreen, touchpad infotainment system, and instead we have a massive, like simply massive touchscreen um, infotainment system. It is um, very, it has a, it has a totally modern looking infotainment. Uh, I mean, sorry, u- user interface. It just seems a little bit more modern 
sorry, not a little bit more modern, much more modern than the old one did. So number one, that item takes over the the the, the uh, cabin. Second of all, the interior still features that same look. Lexus has never been far behind when it came to um, interior quality. I think they they still deliver pretty strong um, materials in their vehicles. I don't think you can ever uh, criticize them for put, putting for putting lim- minimal effort when it comes to um, mix of materials. You don't see them st- stash sort of hard plastics in places. And I found that the model that I had, which had this caramel brown. Um, leather upholstery it just felt like um it felt far more premium than the old nx ever did but how much of the switch gear is shared with the rav4 out of curiosity i don't think any of it but i wasn't um i I didn't have a rav4 directly on hand to compare it to and i don't think that uh like the layout was similar either it's not like the way a ford and a lincoln sometimes feel where it's just like this is just a chromed up switch gear as opposed as opposed to a completely different car. So you drove a 2022 or a 2021, do you know? 2022. It's okay. the new generation model. All new, everywhere. Okay, I'm trying to find um, these interior pictures because you've got me so, so confused. <laughs> <that's> so <laughs> because funny. when I think about Lexus interiors, I think about how often Lexus uses, you know those LEDs, those like uh, yeah. sorry, LCD style displays for like low, high, and for its temperatures and stuff? And I've always thought of that as kind of just really low rent. Is there any of that in the new one? They use, they use like rotary controllers too for like uh, vents and seating and stuff, heating. Like they're like that little roller that has arrows that go up and down. Is that stuff in there as well? Or has that uh, stuff kind of been banished? Are we, are we talking about like a new look for Lexus? Little rollers that, look up, that, that scroll up and down. Yeah, um, like, I think it's a new. I think it's a new look. I'll try to find you some photos so that we can compare. No, I'm looking right now. I'm looking right now. Um, this is a this is a lower trim level. I'm about to send you. I do in, see in that the, they've gotten rid of the LCDs or the the LCD stuff and that LED and that LED clock that sometimes you. Still, yeah, that you yeah. So if that's, I mean, it, it looks okay. I'll give you that. But I, and you say it drives fine. What's the price like for this thing? It's. Um, I think it's pretty. It's pretty aggressive actually um the base model is a front wheel drive equipped um four-cylinder turbo um uh sorry i'm not even sure if that's a turbo it's called the nx250 front wheel drive it starts at 37,950. you get all wheel drive for an extra about two thousand dollars or so or 1500 bucks um and then the 350 which uses this new turbocharged four-cylinder it's a 2.4 liter turbo as opposed to the old two liter turbo um, that costs forty one five fifty, or you can spend less and get the standard hybrid version. It's the NX three fifty all wheel drive, which is forty one fifty, and then the model I drove is a whopping fifty five five sixty wow. for that plug in hybrid. So that plug in hybrid is more than the it's a, it's about four or five thousand dollars more than the GV seventies twin turbo v6 which is 375 horsepower and the other vehicles all the other vehicles you describe they match the starting price of the gv70 which is 41 i know we're talking a lot about the gv70 but i think it's because it is kind of the pick of the class now i agree with you and i'm just saying that i think that the nx has has is is doing its best to meet that challenge i don't know how else to say it the g the gv70 did come out it it i really do believe it made an impact and i thought that um with that aggressive of a start with the with that with that model, it would be a while for some other automakers to catch up. I really don't know what BMW and Mercedes will be doing. Um, 
who have always been popular in this class, and they look downright ancient now. But I think the Lexus has done a pretty significant job with its new generation model in, in presenting itself as a worthwhile competitor. Uh, I mean, there well, might I mean, just be people who are not interested in performance then the Lexus yeah. is, is interesting, right? And then furthermore, there's going to be people who are wary. I don't know why, but there are people who would be wary about a new nameplate like Genesis, and they'd feel a little bit more comfortable with something like a Lexus. The other thing, I agree with that. The other thing, though, about the Genesis is I think it comes with a 10-year warranty. Holy, which really? Which is pretty wild. I know that, <laughs> that, is pretty, that is pretty massive. I mean, you're not going to find that from any other luxury car company. Has so, anyone needed a, a warranty on a Lexus? I'm sorry? Has anyone needed a 10-year warranty on a Lexus? I guess not. But uh, <laughs> let me double-check that because I know it's like that on a lot of their models. Yeah, 10-year powertrain, five-year five year, uh, overall. Um, I want to bring up another vehicle, though, that I think is a better comparator in my mind. Not having driven the NX, but I think is a matchup okay. that's a little closer. And that's the Volvo XC40. Right. That's a great competitor. Um, doesn't come with a hybrid version, but does come with an all-electric version that refuses to, to tell you how much range you have left. Indeed, indeed. And it also, I think, starts cheaper. It's 34000 for a base XC40. I think it's a better match size-wise, perhaps, with the NX as well. Uh, but... Uh, I think it's a bit smaller. But it's it's front-wheel drive in, in its base model, just like the Lexus. And you can get you can get an all-wheel drive version. It's got a couple engine options, I think, or it might just all be that one turbo. I think it's all that turbo. Let but me check. I don't know if there's like a T5 version of it. No, yeah, so there's a T4 and a T5. There's a T4 and T5. Yeah, I'm con- I I mean, I personally look. The the funny thing about compact and subcompact crossovers is it feels like they they like they 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 like overlap a lot. I would have thought that the um, XC40 would compete more with the Lexus UX, and maybe the XC60 would compete better with the NX, but there are times no. when I don't think that's the case. Yeah, either. I don't like, think so either. I think that the XC60 is larger. I think the XC60 is, falls into that almost an RX competitor. That makes sense, yeah. Uh, so, so I think that and the other interesting thing is, so the base model of the XC40 is 187 horsepower, but yeah. for another two grand, just two grand, you jump up to the 248 horsepower which T5. is really good. Yeah, yeah that's that a is solid really engine. And I would think that, I don't know, maybe interior-wise, I don't know how, how they would match up, but the XC40 is really stylish and gorgeous inside and very useful. So I think that it's... I mean, We have would, complained about that infotainment system in the XC40 too, though. Yes, yes. Uh, and um, it doesn't and the, use... Does this, it have... Does it have the drive the drive mode selector lug? Oh, I don't think it does. But if oh, you buy no. so there's two different infotainments, right? If you buy the recharge, I believe it comes with the new and not Android Auto, but the Android OS. Automotive. Yeah, on Android, Android Automotive, Automotive OS, OS, which you don't get with the standard gas powered one. So I, I'm not even going to talk about the recharge because to me that's in a totally different class, and I wasn't I super yeah. happy with it. I don't think so. I don't. I agree with you on that. Okay, so that's, that's... actually, did you find out? Did you did you learn this? I don't know if you've you've heard this past week. A couple of um, an embargo broke on the um, on the new Volvo. It's called the C40 yeah. recharge, all, all electric only. There is no gas powered version of this car, and it's just a crossover coupe version of the XC40. Yeah, it's totally, exactly the same. <laughs> totally weird pick on on Volvo's. It's on like Volvo's. a less useful XC40. Yeah, and more expensive. And it doesn't even really look that good. Like, it doesn't look bad, but it's not like you would look at it and go, 
this is a compelling reason to give up X amount of cargo space and headroom. You know, it's just. I agree. I I recently saw these stories and I, and I was like, I mean, everyone seems somewhat impressed with it, but I was like, I don't know if if Volvo made the right choice here. I think this would have been great with a, with a internal combustion engine. I would be surprised if they sold any of them in large numbers. I really think no, because I think that. The XC40, as much as it has range issues uh, in terms of cold weather, although there's a new heat pump option that's available in Canada, mm-hmm. it's supposed to help fix that and manage battery temperature and cabin temperature better. In any case, I think that if you are into the EV side of things, you're going to get the, the XC40. I don't think you're going to be tempted. Like I think you might be a practical person and you might be a logical person if you're choosing an EV. And if you were to look at the 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 – what is it called? <laughs> C40. C40. And then it's parked beside the XC40. There's really no – there's no logical reason in your brain why you would make that choice. So I don't think that the C40 is like a decision you make with your heart, I guess is what I'm saying. I agree with you. Can we go back to the Lexus story though? This is the first plug-in hybrid for Lexus. And uh, they think that they're going to – I don't know if they think. They want to bring in a bunch of um, – a hybrid plug-in hybrid electric vehicles either battery electric plug-in electric uh or plug-in hybrids and full hybrids now almost every product in their lineup has a normal hybrid um but they're going to bring in 20 new vehicles by 2025 which by my watch says that they've got four years to bring in a lot more cars yeah but i mean new vehicles is the vaguest possible term <laughs> oh, yeah. when discussing electrification you and i both know it can mean anything from a full plug-in hybrid to a different trim level of a full plug-in hybrid to a 48 yeah. volt you know mild system it, it might also really do anything <laughs> they might also pull a volvo c40 and xc40 i mean they can be like it's a whole new car like, yeah yeah i mean if volvo Lexus has always had unusual choices in the hybrid segment. Uh, remember what was the the HS? Was that a vehicle? Yep, that it was, was a like Prius, a, I think. Right? But it wasn't though. It was, like a, it was like a sedan CT, which was an interesting vehicle. I think if the CT had, it was like a little hatchback, and it actually drove really well. And I think if it had had a real drivetrain, and I say real because the hybrid, I believe that was a direct lift from the Prius, and it just wasn't fun. Like the bot, the body made promises that the drivetrain couldn't cash in, and it was disappointing to drive as a result. But I, you know, these vehicles and the Lexus CT are like the biggest what if stories. (laughs) As if if they had a real powertrain, these cars might have been great. And and Lexus (laughs) has always kept these vehicles kind of on the periphery. Like they don't really push. They never really push the C the CT or the HS. They were just kind of there in the showroom or in the back part of the lot. I very, very rarely saw the HS. The CT, I did see a few of them in the wild. but uh, And, of course, there's always the Lexus LS with 600H, which, which was the promise of V12 power with V8 fuel efficiency. I don't know who out there who can afford V12 power is really concerned about fuel efficiency. But to even label it as V8 fuel efficiency as being something good, like that yeah. seems odd as well. Yeah. That vehicle was never popular. Yeah. Steak like calories in a hamburger in a hamburger. <laughs> like Yeah, you know, come on guys. Um I think that's all I've got to say about this NX. I, I mean I just wanted to say that it is I, I'm trying to think with you what more how many more electric or battery electric uh, our, our plug-in hybrid um, Lexus models, can you imagine? I mean, they've already – they went the opposite direction by making an IS500. Well, we'll get an LX. We'll I- get an LX. I- for sure. I- Don't we already have an, L- an LX that's plug-in hybrid? Didn't they announce that? 
LX, like yeah. the Land Cruiser or whatever? Yeah, twin turbo. It's coming with a twin turbo V6. But And if I'm not mistaken, we're about to talk about the vehicle that could contribute its powertrain. There is a twin turbo V6 hybrid out there that Toyota has made that could fit under the, the hood of that large SUV. So I would say that's probably an option. They're going to have to do something with the GX because that platform is ancient. Yeah. And it's not really... I mean, it's not competitive in any meaningful way, so it wouldn't surprise me to see that revamped. The IS is another vehicle that hasn't really been revamped in a while. It's been given a bunch of refreshes, but we haven't seen a radically new one. Um, They have no mid-sized sedans anymore in the sports side. The ES, it could easily have a plug-in hybrid. I don't see why not. So it feels like the white space is there to stuff all these models in. Just make all of their hybrids a plug-in hybrid. You think they can pull it off? Yeah. I think they probably will do uh, the, that. The, I can imagine an RX plug-in would be super popular. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't know if it would be super popular, but I think it would definitely find a market. It's really hard with plug-in hybrids. I mean, you and I like them, but in the real world, it just seems like they don't find their market. And I've always heard that the real reason for this is salespeople at dealerships have a hard time explaining why someone would want one. And they've. this isn't the, necessarily the fault of the salespeople. This is the fault of the brands who can't articulate why someone would want a vehicle that is more expensive and doesn't get as good fuel mileage as the hybrid unless the battery is charged, in which case you can run on electricity only. Like it's, it's, a, it's a complicated proposal because these vehicles have bigger batteries, which means when the battery runs out, fuel mileage is often below that of the hybrid. I mean, we've talked about yeah. the Jeep Wrangler where... Because fuel, you're just hauling extra weight, really. Yeah, a huge amount of extra weight. And the Wrangler uh, plug-in hybrid it has the worst fuel economy, I think, of any model that's not the crazy 6.4 liter V8 version. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, unless you're going to get that, tw- just drive 20 miles at a time in that Wrangler, it's a weird sell. Because right. you're paying more for it, too. Um, the only way to sell it, I think, is to have a worse um, base model, which is how how uh, Mitsubishi managed to sell so many Outlander. Yeah, Mitsubishi's <laughs> strategy of having the worst base models in the industry has really served them well, hasn't it? Yeah, they're doing great right now, I can tell you. Um, I think that's all I want to talk about with this Lexus. How about you take um, you take the mic for the hot mic for a no, moment? No, no, I, I want to talk about the other vehicle that you had to talk oh. about because it re- directly ties into our plug-in hybrid talk. Okay, so I drove, and this is this. I need to get my I need to get my figures right for this because I drove the new Tundra, um, which in person is a tiny bit more attractive than you see in photos. Tiny bit. Did you drive important. the one that has the massive chrome braces on the hood? No. <laughs> There's some pretty wild ones out there now. I don't know if it's called capstone trim or something. Like, Yeah, I saw this. It has, like, uh, like the grill is filled in. It looked like, truly, they look like grills you'd see on a teeth. I don't <laughs> even know what that model is. It does, it does very much look like grills you'd see on a teeth. It is wild in person. And I say in person, a friend of mine took a picture that wasn't a PR picture and sent it to me. And it was very much over the top. But I think more interesting. So in terms of its looks, it's somewhat derivative. It's not really mm. super breaking any new ground. It has a giant grill. Like, I mean, the biggest possible grill uh, that you could imagine. I mean, I think maybe the grill might be wider or longer than the cargo bed on the four-door models. Yeah. But the, the the real story is, I think, the drivetrain, Sammy. Yeah, I drove this uh, Air, Air Force Max uh, powertrain. Um, I think the actual name is I-Force Max. 
which did Michael they, Jordan sign the uh, sign the the engine, the cover? engine cover? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it says. You can see the Jumpman on it. Um, it uses a twin turbo V6 um, with a hybrid um, powertrain. It makes 437 horsepower and 583 pound-feet of torque. I'm going to be blunt. I didn't try it for a very long period of time, and I didn't do any trucking things with it. Did this you take it off for of... sick jumps? No. Okay. And I also would be curious to see how much air such a tr- such a heavy vehicle just can like catch. The, you just get the front <laughs> wheels in the air, and then the rear just like like anchors. Yeah. <laughs> like vertically <laughs> anchors the truck. Exactly. Um I will say that Toyota. Um, first of all, the the powertrain is is pretty good. Um, it you would have you would have you would have caught me off guard by saying this isn't um, as good as a as a what's the thing called a V8. This felt very very confident in terms of its powertrain. How complicated did it feel? Um, how complicated did it feel? Yeah, like. Sometimes with with hybrids, you can feel them changing states. I mean, Toyota's pretty good at hiding that. But right. in a vehicle that's this heavy, uh, what was it like to – did you really feel the electric motors and the gas motors or was it a seamless experience? I found it to be pretty pretty seamless, man. I think it, it worked really well. And I think the other thing to point out is if I'm not mistaken – it's like a traditional automatic. I don't. It's not a CVT, which most um, hybrids use. I don't think they could use a CVT because no. it's very hard to tow. Yeah, I mean, it's almost. not impossible, but it does generate more heat than a traditional automatic, and heat is yeah. the enemy of of towing reliability. And towing is very like long distance towing is very important for for a pickup truck. So, as far as I understand, this used a um, a ten speed automatic, which is wild. Um, and uh, like I said, it. it it was pretty solid. Um, I found it to be quiet. It um, was very aggressive at turning off the engine whenever um, I wasn't really on the throttle, which I thought was pretty smart. And now this has to be a, a like it was a prototype. I, so the the trip computer was telling me had to be lying to me because it was reporting that I was getting some ridiculous fuel mileage. Um, it just, I just could not imagine it being this good. So, so, so from what I've read, the it has the same uh, – so Ford has a hybrid pickup truck. Yeah. And it uses a 1.5 kilowatt hour lithium-ion battery. Toyota uses a nickel metal hydride battery, which is – Yeah. But, but the same size one, or same, same energy uh, storage capability, 1.5 kilowatt hours. And unlike the power boost – I got 1.87 on mine. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong figures. Yeah, okay. Maybe. So the power boost can it can drive in EV mode at speeds of up to 50 miles an hour, but for the Tundra, it only goes to 18 miles an hour. Once you hit 18 miles an hour, the gas motor kicks in, and that's just how it is. So it is a different experience than the Ford, and yeah. there's no generator either, which no. is a really big sale. I don't know if it's a really big selling point, but Ford has like put all their chips in on talking about the generator that allows you to power your house with the truck if there's a blackout. So um, although if there's a blackout and it's in your area, you won't be able to get fuel to put in your truck. So eventually, you know, the blackout wins. <laughs> yes. And uh, Sammy, so is long there... as the blackout is prolonged like that, yes. There is no generator, and I, and I agree with you. I actually think that the generator is uh, is a selling point for that for that Ford. I'm going to tell you that the biggest improvement to me, the biggest part that um, the Tundra really came through on was not the powertrain, which is pretty advanced, but the interior, which felt far more uh, modern um, than the than the old one, which well, I mean, clearly it, it's not difficult. Yeah, we didn't make it clear. This is the first redesign of the Tundra since 2008. 
And beyond that, the um, the infotainment system. It now again, I was I was driving a prototype, but as far as I can tell, it used the same infotainment screen and layout and design as the Lexus NX that I was driving. So it felt high end. I think that's the best way to put it. And uh, there's a couple other interesting things. I mean, there's more than a few, but just to kind of reel off the highlights about the new Tundra. Not only is it the first, you know, redesigned truck. We've had some refreshes. I think there was a refresh in 2018 or something like that. Mm. But it also comes with a twin-turbo V6 that's not a hybrid. Yeah. It's 389 horsepower and 479 pound-feet of torque. And those are your only two motors. There's no V8. There's no standard V6. That's all you're getting. It that's com- fine, though, isn't it? I, I guess so. I mean, every other pickup truck company offers a V8, I think. Okay. Uh, but I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I, I'm looking at the, the horsepower figure that of the hybrid that I drove. Four, 437 and 583 pound-feet of torque. That's good, man. Like, no, it that's- is very good. But the only thing I can – it really depends on goodwill because Ford has so much goodwill among customers that they're willing to accept a hybrid vehicle, right? That was yeah. that was their in. Toyota probably has a similar level of goodwill among existing customers. I don't know about Conquest. Uh, the, another interesting thing, though, about the Tundra is it has a coil springs in the rear. And that means it, that and the Ram are the only two trucks that have that, I believe, in the full-size segment. So it's going to ride better when it's empty. And it did ride. It did ride surprisingly well, but I did. Um, I, I didn't want to mention anything about that because, like I said, I had a very, I had a very short period with it, and I didn't do anything that the truck was oriented, like supposed to be doing. Like I didn't put anything in the in the bed. I didn't tow anything, and it was it was very short test drive for that. So I, I didn't want to jump to any conclusions there. The, the last thing I wanted to mention is also suspension related. There is a TRD Sport package for the truck that actually lowers it. Uh, like on demand. No, like it's a like a lowered sports suspension. Cool. And like we haven't a, had like a, an old Lightning. Yeah, well, probably not that low, but we haven't had really any cool sport trucks in a long time. The market's kind of gone away from those, so any little bit helps, and I appreciate that from Toyota. I mean, at least they're not fooling people into thinking, you know, not every truck goes off road. Not every truck is used for for like towing and hauling. Lowering it, and giving it a little bit of stance, giving it a little bit more style, like that. It's it's. There's reasons. There's there's justification to it. So, is there anything else that you specifically want to mention about your brief Tundra experience? I mean, I, as as much as I think it's a better Tundra, it, I'm not sure it's a more competitive product in this segment. That's my biggest concern about the Tundra. It will appeal to Tundra Tundra owners and people who liked the Tundra before, but I don't think it'll appeal to. I don't think it's going to be stealing anyone away from, like you mentioned, the goodwill from Ram, Chevy, and um, and Ford. Okay. Maybe people who are scorned by Nissan and the Titan and the recent Titan, so. <laughs> scorned. Um, I drove a vehicle for a lot longer than you did with the Titan or with the NX. I actually took a 2022 Genesis G70 on a extended road trip. I actually went to visit Sammy um, in Toronto, which is about, uh, it, the whole trip is about 750 miles. So that was pretty good. Uh, it's a long distance to spend in a single vehicle. And I was curious about this model for a bunch of reasons, Sammy. First of all, I had driven the GV70 the week before, which you talked about in the, in the previous podcast. It uses a certain version of the G70's chassis. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, the platform is similar, but the engine is different. The interior is different. And the styling is also somewhat different. So I was curious as to how Genesis had updated the G70, which was their first vehicle on the market, really, kind of. Although I think maybe the G90 came out just a little bit before. In any case, 
It was their first volume seller on the market, and it's been pretty popular. But the GV70 took things to the next level inside when it came to detail and features and whatnot. And I wanted to see if the refresh they put on the 2022 G70 went in the same direction. Sammy, do you want to gamble on whether it did or not? Um, I'm going to say yeah. You say yes? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, not quite. Not quite. Not quite. So the exterior, But I mean the exterior refresh is very much... Um, in line with what the GV70 presents, yes. right? Like, the, the design is there. But the I don't design think that is there. follows through with the rest of the car. As you mentioned, the powertrain is totally drift, totally different. Yeah, we so- get a 3.3-liter twin-turbo V6 here, or turbocharged V6 here, as opposed to the 3.5 in the GV70. And it's 10, 10 horsepower less. It's 365 horsepower the versus, gotta be versus 375. So uh, it also, I, I like the exterior styling. I think it looked great. I had a very nice blue. I think that they, they reduced some of the affectations on the front fenders. That They had these like kind of fender cutouts that used to be there. They're not there anymore. Overall, it's very attractive. Inside, however, it's still good. But coming from the GV70, which had fantastic leather details, fantastic kind of these car- faux carbon inserts on the door panels, on the center console. It had the latest infotainment system, which is a very widescreen oriented with that controller that we complained about. None of that is inside the new G70. It has kind of a, a better, but not nearly as trick infotainment system compared to yeah. the the crossover. It has nice leather, but not the same kind of quilting, not the same kind of details on the doors and the dashboard. And the, instead of having that really cool control pod on the dash for the climate controls that, that I liked so much in the GV70, it just had like pretty standard controls like you would have expected to find in the older version of the sedan. So it was kind of a mixed bag. It, was, it really felt like I was scared when I got in because I was like, does this mean that Genesis is giving up on the G70? Does this mean that the G70 isn't worthy of that level of upgrade because they're not selling enough of them and they just want to focus on crossovers. Do you think that's possible, Sammy? I'm going to say no. I think Genesis has um, longer, uh, has further further like ambitions than, than that. I also just think it's the pro- it's the release cadence of their products. I think they just, I don't want to say I think they miscalculated, but they released their sedans, their the G90, the G80, and the G70, uh, quickly like they they really did get those out and then there was nothing for a while until the gv80 and then gv70 showed up yeah which presented this new kind of what's the best way to put it new look of genesis i think yeah, right but when when i got into the gv70 which is refreshed for 2022 and i see that on the center console it still has a traditional shift lever instead yeah. of a rotary controller my thought is like why didn't they import that over from the gv70 i mean I'm, I'm not necessarily complaining because it's possible too that this is a sports sedan it's a different customer and that customer wants to grab that lever and just have at it right like well i think i think if you if you recall the last like this is still a what a first generation or second generation product the before the refresh you could get a manual version of the G- yes in the, 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 the four cylinder for sure so i imagine like just if they had designed it from the get-go without that without that equipment maybe you'd be able to do stuff like that a little bit more easier more easily it's possible i, I had a I, you know i i did some um two-lane driving in it but most of my driving was highway 
And I found I was getting, I want to say 23 or 24 miles per gallon, which not great. I'm going to I'm going to look it up right now cuz I have the my calculations are in liters per 100 kilometers. Yeah, 26 was kind of okay. what I averaged on the highway and around town it dropped to like, you know, 22 23, which is interesting because it's not a super heavy vehicle. So that no. surprised me a little bit, but what I did like was even though it has the smaller displacement engine, it, it it's still very quick. Mm. Uh Throttle response is great. The vehicle is very comfortable to drive. I had no complaints um, on either leg of my journey. And I had someone in the back seat for the whole trip. And she was okay. There was a little bit of a legroom issue. And the person sitting in front of her had the seat moved up quite a bit because they're both of smaller stature. And uh, it was just a little tight in the rear seat in a way you wouldn't find in like a BMW 3 Series, which is more generous inside. Well, I mean, the the 3 Series has grown up in the last generation. Like it became pretty big. Yeah. The old the older generations, um, and I think other other sports sedans have have like started. They just started getting bigger, and the G G seventy doesn't feel like a new product. It feels a bit old school in that way, right? Yeah. So. That that would be my only real complaint about the packaging for the vehicle. The trunk was pretty decent, uh, mm-hmm. packed it to the brim with uh, coolers and other stuff and didn't really – I mean we were – I don't know. If we hadn't had someone in the back seat, we would have obviously had more room for stuff. So I think that it's adequate. Um, but what really impresses me about the vehicle is it's still a really great value. Like the four-cylinder starts at under 40000 and even the version I drove, which is like sport prestige – is, is a $50,000 vehicle. Now, a $50,000 3 Series is not fully loaded in the same way that a G70 is. So if okay. you want all the gadgets yeah. and, and bells and whistles and stuff, you're going to be paying... Head-up head displays and adaptive cruise control. Yeah, you're going to be paying... Does it have a wireless phone charger or anything like that? I don't remember. I, my phones... I haven't had a phone that charges wirelessly in a while, so I haven't been paying attention too much to that. Uh, one thing I wasn't super happy with, everything about the vehicle when I was driving it, like when I was fully engaged as a driver, was great. The adaptive cruise control had some of the same problems I witnessed with the GV70. It was occasionally too... You you can set it to be aggressive or normal or slow in terms of how it responds to traffic around you. want a slow-responding adaptive cruise control? Well, at first I thought, no, I don't want that because I was having that and it was actually leaving like a really big gap and cars kept cutting in front of me, which is always the problem with adaptive cruise. And of course, like any adaptive cruise system, there are moments where it's not going to pick up the vehicle in front of you and you're going to have to intervene. Every single company has these moments. It's not a Genesis thing. You can't just check out when when the vehicle is set to this mode. But... uh, I, I changed it to to uh, like aggressive or whatever the the hardest setting is, and it really like slams the throttle and slams the brakes, and the brakes are the most oh jarring part. Like it would yeah. zoom you up to the back of another vehicle and just hit the brakes super hard, and you're like, no, thank you. Like I eventually went back to normal mode, but even in normal mode, I found the throttle was somewhat less smooth than I would want it to be. So yeah. that was noticeably inferior compared to other luxury vehicles I've driven recently. I mean, yeah, you, you, we have been, we have, to me personally, I think I've seen a um, more refinement in the adaptive cruise control offerings lately, and that means that when you drive a car like the G70 or the GV70, you can notice that that what's it called that abruptness to the throttle and, and brake far far more. You can you can you can notice it immediately, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that has like, for example, if you've driven that Super Cruise or whatever. 
um, you just understand, or, or like even some of the infinities, they feel so much more smoother in the way that they um, apply throttle and brakes. So uh, overall, I really, really like the G70. I still like it. It's been one of my favorite picks in this segment for a long time. I think it's a great driver's car. The version I had, eight-speed automatic, all-wheel drive. I didn't really notice any push from it, which is nice in an all-wheel drive system. And just a, a stylish, good-looking car. It's a car that a lot of people, it turns heads, people kind of ask you about it because it's not super common. But unlike the German cars, it is fairly distinctive. It doesn't really fade into the crowd. And that's the same thing we talked about with the GV70. These are cars that stand out in a segment where things have become more and more homogenous. And Genesis doesn't have a, a huge lineup, which means unlike BMW, there's not as much sameness in the designs from one vehicle to the other that where you're kind of trying to figure out which one's actually bigger than the next one. So you know whether you're looking at an X3 or a 5 Series or a 3 Series or an X5, right? So that's kind of, and combine that with the value, and this is, I think anyone who's in the market for a luxury sports sedan needs to drive the G70. I agree with you. I think it's um, this is my biggest fear about the sports sedan segment is that I think it's all plateauing and you've got a vehicle like the G70 still charging ahead, still building really good um, product. And I'd be curious to see if the other automakers are putting as much emphasis or effort in their sports sedans as uh, Genesis is with its. So, uh, Sammy, uh, what will you be driving next week? Next week, I'm going to take a closer look at the BMW 2 Series, the new BMW 2 Series, the whatever you call it, rear-wheel drive one. Oh, okay. The, the coupe. coupe? Is it a coupe? Yes. Okay, I'm going to be driving the Chevrolet Silverado Duramax, which is the diesel version of the truck. Duramax. Yeah. Uh, I know. Well, is Max a necessary part of some trucks? Uh, engine nomenclature. Again, we had iForce Max. Now we have Duramax. Power Max Boost. <laughs> yeah. Hemi Max. Hemi Max. Yeah, sure. And uh, forgot Earth, Earth, Max. Dream, Max. Earth, Earth Max. Dreams Max in the Ridgeline. I forgot about the Max Cummins. There you go, Max Cummins. <laughs> Although right. I don't search Max Cummins on Google. Please don't. Uh, um, that sounds like fun. And uh, if you want to search on Google and find our other episodes, our past episodes, our future episodes, episodes that maybe you haven't heard before, you can find those at unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. As well, when you're on our site, we have a whole bunch of buttons where you can click to subscribe using whatever podcatcher strikes your fancy. We, we're on Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, all that good stuff. You can do that easily there, or you can just search on your podcatcher and find us that way. It's uh, it's all pretty easy. And Sammy, uh, if people want to get in touch with us and ask us questions about Max, how would they do that? Well, first of all, if they go to the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, there's a contact form there. You fill that out, and uh, it lands in our inbox. We usually respond to them, or we'll bring up whatever topic you mentioned to us um, on our next episode. Additionally, you can reach out to us on social media. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And you can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. Now, if you don't like any of this newfangled stuff, you can just email us the old-fashioned way. It's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. And uh, you can also tell your friends about us. That would, that, would, that would help, right? Yeah, tell your friends or leave us a review or a comment on any of the podcasting services that you use. That also helps get our podcast in front of more listeners. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it next week, Ben. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye.